the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Renegade Women and Soul Care, where we share conversations with dynamic and amazing women and discuss how they navigate life while taking care of their souls and savoring their time with God. Who is this renegade woman? She is the woman who behaves in an unconventional manner. She is the woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, and her passion to overcoming, to serving, and to bettering the world, including any other promptings that call to her soul. Many people ask, what is soul care? Soul care is an ancient practice and a modern-day necessity. The care of the soul was and is central to our spiritual life. C.S. Lewis said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. Caring for the soul matters because soul neglect happens, soul deprivation is real, and caring for the soul is of vital importance to leading a well-balanced and abundant life. The following is a beautiful quote from Ken Geyer. He says, The soul, though at all times hidden, is at all times revealed, expressing itself through everything we say and do. Through the ordinary brushstrokes of everyday life, a portrait of our soul is being painted such an eloquent expression. In the process of being renegade women and caring for our souls, we must remember to take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. My guest today is Meredith Comstock, and she is a renegade woman. Growing up in Calabasas, California, gave Meredith a perspective on who she wanted to be and who she didn't. After spending some time working in Hollywood, Meredith married and started a family, working as a makeup artist. She and her husband then moved the family to his native Nebraska. Omaha was just the life Meredith was looking for. Meredith went to work in a man's world naturally. Facilities management has few women and fewer ladies. Meredith says, it's what I know and what I like. I also like that I am a surprise to most people working in the field. Meredith continues to live in Omaha with her husband, Joe, an artist. Both her grown children are stand-up comedians living in Brooklyn and Denver. So Meredith, welcome, and let's talk about how we met. Thank you, Arlana. Well, I don't know exactly what grade it was, but it was quite a while ago. It was. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was eighth grade. Weren't we um, second class? Yes, I think I think eighth grade was the year the school opened, and that's when you came to the school. Yes. I'd already been in the school system. Right. I I was a newbie to uh, the Calabasas turf, and it was a great experience for me personally, and I met some amazing people, one of which is you. And I always marveled at your sense of humor. You were so quick and so sharp. And (laughs) in the household I grew up in, yeah, in the household I grew up in, if you weren't fast, you would get destroyed. (laughs) So being able to like bounce stuff off of you and not have you go, wait, what? 
And just like, bam, I was like, oh, this girl is so awesome. So that was something that I've always loved about you and appreciated because it's just so cool to, to banter with people that are quick and fast and sharp and amazing. Well, I will say that what I really appreciated about you in school, besides I loved your family, I loved your brother, your parents. I remember seeing your mom at a, in a manicure salon I don't know, six years out of school or something. And I was so excited uh-huh. to see her. And she's like, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> and I went to her. And to me, it was like I'd seen her the day before. What I really appreciated about you was that you didn't think I was weird. I mean, maybe you did, but you didn't think it was weird that I was weird. I loved that you were weird because I was equally as weird. So it's like the whole ET thing. I'm like, oh, look home. <laughs> well, when I had the haircut from the David Bowie Aladdin Sane album at 12, yes, people really sort of thought that I was just out there. And I really wasn't. I just had an artist that I really admired and who also had red hair and who made me feel like I belonged somewhere. And a lot of people really thought I was too weird. And you were just totally accepting. Well, thank you. That's nice to know that, that that was your impression. And I love that in my home growing up, that we had people from all over the world and all different cultures all the time. So it was sort of like, everybody's cool. And I really appreciate that because it served me well in my life because I had those early experiences at home to begin with. And so just loving people where they are. And I never even thought until right this minute that you may have been weird or different or <laughs> or anything of that nature. Well, you're the only one. <laughs> well, I stand strong on that. Okay. I still appreciate it. Wow. Thank you. And, and I give that credit to my parents. Most definitely. So Meredith, what would you like listeners to know about you in addition to what's on your bio? I would say that my household, not the household I grew up in, which was not like yours. I had a single mom. My dad was sort of somewhere else. Uh Um, My brothers are so much older that they were out of the house by the time I was 11, 10 or 11. So it was really just me and my mom. But in my household here, with my husband, where we raised our kids most of the way. They were born in California. My husband's an artist. My dad was an artist. My mm. kids are Europeans. That makes me accepting of everything. I never even considered for a minute that my kids would grow up and be accountants or engineers or something really stable. That mm-hmm. I, I didn't know <laughs> that I would worry about them when they were adults. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the way I do, but they do great. And I think that my only sadness is that, you know, when you do a really good job of raising your kids, they grow up and leave you. Yeah. And no one tells you that. And they, a lot of kids stay around. I'm not saying only good parents, kids leave, they have to leave them, but I'm glad that my kids felt the confidence and the support from us that they could go chase their dream. So that's mostly what I'm about. I'm about work. I'm about following my kids on Instagram, yep. Georgia's Wild at Instagram and Hat Comstock at Instagram. My husband and I spend really special time together, but we're still not, we don't do everything together. We do very specific things together. I like quilting. He likes golfing. I like reading and he likes listening to nonfiction in his ear where I want to kind of 
have my own voice here, you know, hear my own voice, read it. Yeah. Um, so we don't do everything together, but boy, 33 years and counting. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I think that's what I'm proud of in my family because we got a lot of divorces in my family. Yeah. My brothers aren't married, have never been married. My little brother, never been married. Wow. Uh, I have two cousins who are married with kids. The other two, one got married and she passed away and the other one never got married. So it's really very small, a very small world I come from. Wow. That's interesting. And I think that that the things that you said about, you know, raising your kids and raising them right, I just got tears in my eyes because that's what happens is you equip them and you empower them and you teach them and, you know, you uplift them. And then they're like, see ya. (laughs) And they come home, but (laughs) But it, it is, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a painful thing in its way of they're gone. And I have the same thing. I mean, I have my elder son, his wife and their two babies are in Los Angeles, which is not too far. I'm in San Diego. And then my younger son, his wife and almost baby that'll be here the end of February live in the uh, outside Chicago. So they went, they got educated and now they're doing their thing. That to me is, as you said, something to be very proud of. And I feel so joyful when I sit back and just marvel at what they're doing. Well, my parents were divorced when I was pretty young. And I think it's great that my daughter who got married uh, in 2020 felt comfortable enough and confident that marriage is worth it to get married because I thought she would never get married. She and her now husband were together for years. And all of a sudden he said, you know, I think I'm going to ask her to marry me. And I'm like, what? She's going to say yes. (laughs) No, I think she would like it. And we accidentally caught the proposal on videotape. We can't hear it, but we can see Uh it. My husband had a GoPro. We were on the beach in Mexico and he was just trying to figure out how to use the camera. And he was just scanning. You see my son in a hammock and then you go past a palm tree. And on the other side, 50 feet away is my son-in-law down on one knee. (laughs) Wow. I mean, what a sign that is. Yeah. Now they're not planning to have kids. I won't get to be a grandma like you are, but I mean, they may adopt kids one day. Who knows? Yeah. But I'm proud of that too, because their lifestyle does not, does not let them, you know, they're in clubs every night. So who's going to watch the kids and who's going to be there you know, when someone's sick, they can't just cancel a show, things, especially on the way up. So I'm glad that they're taking, that they've made the decision that they know this is not for us right now. Right. That's fantastic. They've taken some pretty permanent decisions, some pretty permanent measures. Yeah. But um, I think that that it's working for both. And he came from a very dysfunctional family. So Uh that he felt confident to marry into our family also. That's beautiful. It is. That's huge. Well, why would you consider yourself to be a renegade woman? Well, you've known me since I was 13. Yeah. I have my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) I have always gone against the grain. I don't know what it is, but when you tell me no, or you can't, well, I'm going to do it. Even if I don't really want to do it, I'm going to prove you wrong. That's not how I got into my career originally wanted to be a casting director Uh and 
And I worked in Hollywood and I was just so, I was a talent agent. I was the youngest talent agent registered with the Screen Actors Guild. Wow. I was like, I don't remember if I was 19 or 20. I think I was 20, but it's so brutal on your psyche. Even for me, not as an actress, but seeing these people that whom I cared about. Right. It was just too brutal. And I thought, oh, so I started doing makeup and that was a little better. And I really found that I liked retail makeup better uh-huh. because that was about actual people, not characters. Right. And women would come in and sit with me and they had an idea of what they looked like and how they presented themselves. And I could change that for them mm. in a way that they could also do that every day and feel good about themselves every day. And um, like, I'm not the drama makeup queen. I'm never going to do makeup for Broadway or uh-huh. drag queens, which is just a whole different level. Yes. I really enjoyed making real women feel yeah. and feel their best. And that even if, you know, even if they didn't look that differently, they felt like they looked different. They yeah. felt presented differently. And that really captured my heart. And I did that for a long time, but you know, my kids needed me and it was a lot long hours and I needed to be at home more often for them, for their sports and their yeah. other things they did. So I got a job in facilities and I just kept going up, 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 up because I understood it. My father was a furniture designer. He was an artist and furniture designer uh-huh. and accessories. So it was all very, it made sense to me and it was very familiar to me. And I'm a, I'm a, my husband calls me the princess of the princess and the pea. So I'm pretty good at finding things that need to be repaired or maybe just gentrified. So it seemed to be a perfect fit and and it supported me well over the years. That's so interesting. And I like to hear these stories and talking to people and and hearing the different things that, you know, they've experienced in their life. But one of the things that I really love is seeing how the history informs the present, you know, and you're saying, you know, some of the things with your dad and you found something that was natural to you and you continue to pursue it. And I just think those, those little threads and those amazing things are so fun to hear and to see how they affect our lives, you know? I do. I love going into a place, like it may be a small family-owned place and looking around and seeing how they do things differently from a corporate yeah. um, place. And, and sometimes I'll offer help. I'll be like, you know, you might want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> or you might want to change this up this way because of this. Hey, you'll save a lot of money here on your heating and air conditioning if you don't do, if you wow. rearrange it. Mm-hmm. You know, for them, that monthly bill means something. Yes, it does. So that's really enjoy cool. that. That's super, super cool. And that speaks to your heart too, you know? I mean, that's really nice. I do feel... Great. As I get older too, I feel such a pull towards service. Yeah. And I wish that I could retire at my age now while I still have a bunch of energy and I could do more service oriented activities. Uh But for now, what I can do. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's what we do is, you know, we do what we can do. So that's wonderful. What do you consider to be your most significant accomplishment, Meredith? This is going to sound really weird. For a change. <laughs> I think, so I was a cheerleading co- high school cheerleading coach for many years. Uh-huh. 
And my co-coach and I took a team to the state championship. Wow. And even though it's so silly cheerleading in high school, getting those, what it took from for four years, because they were the first class we had from freshman on, getting those girls to work together, they were not all best friends, trust right. me. And high school girls are awful anyway. Yes. Even boys, but let me tell you, they're yeah. awful. And, <laughs> um, and just in so many ways. I mean, not just... Some of them were awful to me. They were awful to their parents. Mm-hmm. To bring, to get them to see the weight of working together. Wow. Was really that, and that even hit me after, you know, for years after. That was in 2010 that they won that. And every year it weighs on me a little bit more how important that was yeah. going forward in their lives. And then I would think, you know, I touched probably 165 girls yeah. in the years that I coached. And some of them reach out to me on Facebook Messenger. They still have my phone number. It's the same yeah. phone number. And they'll say, oh, I was, you know, they're teachers now or they're nurses or some of them are parents. And they're just like, oh, I can't believe you put up with us. We were so horrible. Or I'm sorry I ever acted that way. Thank you for having patience with us. And wow. seeing them you know, that slow burn of seeing them is just heartwarming. Yes. So I think probably that, I mean, if I can't pick my family. Right. Yeah. I would say that. So, so, so significant. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, 165 girls, you know, plus or minus, but the ripple effect of that is you change them within their families because- Or that they learned how to be nicer or more polite or, or whatever the ripples were. And just to think that your commitment and your devotion and your heart and your leadership just reverberated out so far. And now the lessons that they learned are in their careers and they're with their children. And I love that. I love that. I love that. So it's, it's a huge accomplishment accomplishment, especially with high, high school girls. <laughs> uh, I think also that they, their parents, we really worked with their parents too. Mm-hmm. So their parents, you know, so they would understand what their parents do for them and their parents would understand what these girls are trying to accomplish. Right. And I think that really helped that relationship as well for them. Yeah, that's really special. What is your favorite word and why? Empower. Mm, I'm putting explanation by that. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great you can You can empower others. You can empower yourself. Yep. You can allow others to empower you. I I think it's really consuming. It's a yes. consuming word. It can it, is. it can be in every facet of your yeah, life. That is so true. All and right. that oh, I, I think maybe my mom did not feel empowered. Oh. And she, I think that's why it's so important to me. She yeah. was from a different time. I'm lucky. Yeah, but you know what? I I want to say not, but I want to say that. I always felt like you personally were empowered. I always felt like you, you had it together and you were just like a source of power. Like you just had this power about you. And so I just want to say that from an outsider looking in, I always felt like you were empowered even as a a young girl in high school. Well, thank you. I think my brothers helped with that. They were Uh much older and they helped me know that, you know, I could say no to anything I didn't want to do. Uh I could do anything I wanted to do. No one was better 
than I was. I remember I don't type very well. I mean, I type okay now, you know, I've been typing a long time, but they said, don't ever take typing in high school or you'll be a secretary. And you know what? I never did because I didn't want to have that option. I mean, I wish I could type better (laughs) anyway, but that's but that the, was my mindset. Yeah, that's such sage advice and, and what a beautiful <laughs> thing they gave you. And that's empowering what they gave you. They, right. And, right. Yeah. Woo. What is your least favorite word and why? Moist is probably taken. It is, but you can use it. No, it's not my least favorite word. Okay. It doesn't bother me in the least. <laughs> least favorite word is should. That's powerful too. It's it's been hard to take it out of my vocabulary. I try to say another way to look at it or another way, you know, you can approach this instead of saying you should do this. Yeah. That's telling someone something and not letting them, not helping them find their own way. Right. And what if there is a different way and I just don't know it? So yeah. I, I try to not, I don't think should is is good ever. That's, that's excellent. And that's good really- is way better. Yes. <laughs> And that's also an empowering statement to say, I'm going to take should out of my vocabulary because the word choices to go in place of that are more empowering, as you just said. So that's very, very cool. Well, in words, they do have weight. Yeah. Yes, they do. What is the hardest thing you've ever done, Meredith? Help my mom through her death. Mm. I wasn't there when she passed. My brothers were there, but just the hospice, actually the whole, from the illness, she had pancreas cancer, uh-huh. from, the, from the diagnosis, I was with her then, and I took her to chemo and we went, brought her to my house. My daughter was a senior in high school and she was going to a big dance and I made sure that she and her boyfriend went to the hospital to take pictures uh-huh. so my mom could see her, things like that. Um, that was the hardest year I've experienced and probably the hardest, that's the hardest block for me. It's still painful. I mean, it's, yeah. now when I think of her, I smile, which is great because it's been 12 years, but it was really, it was really hard. Yeah, that is super difficult. And thankfully you were able to be there and to have that time with her and to show her your love and your support. and all of those things. That's a beautiful gift on both sides for you. And and I think that it let me make up for a lot of, there's karma in the world. And that's why my daughter's my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it let me make up for some of that. Yes. At least I felt, I don't think she thought I needed to make up for anything, but I felt it. Yeah. That's wonderful that you had the opportunity to do that. Very, very special. What makes you weep? Weep with a P? Yeah. Cry. Weep. My dog's passing. Oh, yeah. Actually, any animal commercial. Yeah. People being, uh, I mean, I don't understand how people beat kids either. Yeah. I don't, but there seems to be some other outlet where people can get in and help them. And animals don't have that. Yeah. They're and that breaks my heart that some, that pe- what people do, not just to pets, to any animal. And I don't mean them getting run over by a car. That happened. Oh, no, I know. They, live in, I know they live in our world, but, you know, just that anyone could be abused. Cruel. Yeah. Cruelty, cruelty makes me just awful. It's disgusting. It hurts to be human at that point. That's very, very true. Luckily, my dogs also give me huge pleasure. 
to make up for that weeping. Yes, I know. Mine's laying on the floor here right now. I took his regular collar off so it didn't ding ding in the background, but he's he's having dreams that he's running. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I locked all four of mine out of my room. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna have a peaceful environment here for a few minutes. What do you think has brought you to this point in your life? Um, my husband. Mm. That he was exactly what he seemed to be. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Apparently that makes me weep. Too. Yes. Yes. And that is beautiful. You are blessed. Oh, for sure. And he's super lucky. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he knows that. <laughs> but we both are. That we both still like each other after 35 years. We've been together 35, married 33. Wow. And gosh, coming up on 34. And I feel lucky that... We have so much fun together still. I know lots of people who are married this long or not this long who don't have as much fun. Yeah, that's super important, super special, and a super blessing to be able to, as you said, still have that because, yes, absolutely, many, many people, even short-term people, don't have that. Well, and even if they like each other, they just don't have the fortitude to gut it out. Yeah. And we've had to gut some stuff out. I'm not always easy. And he's an artist. He's not always easy, but it's worth it. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful testament. Thank you. All right. If you could go back to your younger self and hand out free advice, what would you say? Oh, first, <laughs> first in all seriousness, use sunscreen. Oh, yeah. invent sunscreen. When I was little, there really wasn't sunscreen. And I've had a lot of surgery. I have one coming up on February 2nd, which I don't think will be a big deal, but just for your health too. I mean, it's not good to have cancer growing in your body anywhere right. mm-hmm. on your skin. So I would like, my kids are so much better off because I slathered them in sunscreen from the minute they were born. Yeah. So that would be something, I mean, it sounds uh, flippant, but it's not for me. Not anyway. at all. I would say if I could go back to my younger self, I would say, get into shape physically and stay there. Yeah. It's so much harder to get back there. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week at the same time for the continuation of this program. As we conclude this episode of Renegade Women and Soul Care, please remember to always take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. May you be blessed with peaceful nights and gentle days. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.